0: Welcome to the Retail Exchange podcast. This episode of the Retail Exchange is brought to you in association with Attentive. Drive sales with text message marketing. Visit attentive.co.uk slash exchange to see what Attentive can do for you. Welcome to the latest episode of the interview series from the Retail Exchange Podcast. I'm Carl McKeever. Our guest on this latest episode recorded at Retail Week Live is John Gregory, Head of Industry Retail Vertical at Spotify, responsible for developing solutions for retail clients. In his role, Gregory collaborates closely with Spotify's internal teams to drive the development of leading edge solutions for retail clients, whilst also advising how to best address the needs of all subcategories within the industry. In this episode, we explore the secrets to delivering a successful digital customer experience, how technology and data can be used to truly understand the individual and appeal to consumer senses and emotions, and what retailers can do to inspire consumers through the joy of discovery. Here's the interview. Welcome. Thank you, great to be here. So what I want to really start off with is asking, from your perspective,
1: what makes a successful digital customer experience? Well, you know, I guess that uh, answer would have changed over the last uh, 20 years because so much has happened in, in the industry and, and in the technology uh, space itself. But at the moment, I think it's, it's most important to have a common thread of the brand experience, regardless of the touch point, whether it be online or through a mobile app or in the, in the store or even the advertising you see on the street. There has to be some a uh, connection between all of those touch points to bring continuity to the brand. So technology aids that, but it's not the only thing. And of course there are many more people now in the
0: digital space offering products and services. So how do you go about working on customer loyalty? You know, either attracting people in the first place or then when they're there
1: and using and enjoying your products, but you keep them again. It's based on the content that we provide to our listeners from the get go. Um, and. Because the content is so personalized, the access to the content is so personalized, you can create your own experience. And for that reason, it's like, like being in your own little world. They can bring into their experience what they want to listen. Nothing is like thrown at them. And I was surprised for some people to actually say it's like Spotify feels like my best friend. They wow. They know me. Um, they're they have a reflection of me, which is pretty incredible. That's a pretty powerful statement. And, w- and uh, when you got to see that in the in the data, in the research, how
0: did that make you feel or want to respond in terms of how you manage those products and experiences for customers?
1: Well, f- for well, there are two sides to that. I mean, first of all, we have to maintain the experience itself, make sure that uh, what we're, we're bringing to our listeners the best content. Uh, on an ongoing basis, whether it be from music artists, up-and-comers, or you know whatever people uh, you know, want to hear, but also from a podcast perspective, which has become very, very important for us, to make sure that the, the episodes and the content is fresh and new and forward-thinking and brings in as much a, a, a big as a diverse audience as we could possibly bring in. So from a content perspective, that's part of the, the ecosystem, the flywheel. From an advertising perspective, I mean, it's it's the halo effect of that love for Spotify that really uh, is an advantage for our advertisers. So, um, when someone advertises or inserts an audio message on our platform, they have an engaged listener from the get-go. So, if there's there's no need to scream at uh, at consumers like you might on terrestrial radio or even television advertising. For that point, when you have ten different ads being thrown at you at, in one break between uh, the content you're, you're, you're listening to. So uh, it's a much different environment, and for that reason, a much greater connection uh, for the advertiser to our listeners. There are
0: other music and podcast providers out there. And I have to say, having listened to some of those other platforms, some people sail pretty close to um, the wind in terms of, let's say, being
1: inspired by some of the things you do. How do you feel about that? Well, it's a compliment in many ways that there are others trying to uh, replicate what we've done. Um, And it's a very competitive world. There's no no way you could ever, you know, rest on your laurels and just think you're your growth is going to continue into infinity. That's just not the case. So uh, we have to continue to focus on the content and what keeps our listeners in place, but also recognizing what's going on around us, whether it be through social media or other digital audio streaming competitors. Uh, thankfully, you know Spotify has a very prominent position, in, especially in the podcast world. I think we even surpassed Apple last year in the United States to be the number one podcast platform uh, in North America. And we're growing with the same influence across the world not to say there isn't room for others in, in the marketplace. I, I would never be one to say, well, you should only use us and not them. I think it, it's all about the mix and what makes the most sense for your audience. We in generally have a much younger skewing audience, and that's very important to many advertisers, um, but there would be reason to use you know, te- digital television or digital video or other platforms as, as a part of your mix. I, you can't, you know, can't expect everyone to rely on you solely for what they do from a marketing perspective but we have a very prominent position which I'm thankful for and we continue to hold on to that because of the uh, the listening experience and the content we bring to those listeners so
0: the competition is essentially healthy because it helps you keep on your toes absolutely
1: and that's that's a very good point because the minute I've seen it happen some uh, leaders who were out in front and uh, Kind of got lazy and you know just took for granted their their audience and disaster strikes and you know when you least expect it someone pulls the rug out from under you and you're trying to catch up so luckily we have a great organization who's thinking ahead of the curve and keeping up with uh, not only the technology and the 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 technology of the experience itself the user interface but also the content that we deliver to our listeners through that
0: Historically, one of the things that I think we've all seen, and, and to you know much dismay, is how you know many established high street retailers over the years perhaps did become complacent and stop looking outside, and uh, you know maybe squeeze their own orange a little bit too much without putting much more back in. How do you think from a digital uh, products perspective that you need to keep that customer experience moving forward? What's the secret sauce really to investing in newness and keeping it fresh,
1: original and relevant? I mean, I, I grew up in the retail industry. I started my career back in the last century, back in the mid-1980s, it sounds like you know, a million years ago, but uh, the industry itself is very conservative. Uh, very slow to change, and in my experience, only changes when they have it forced down their throat. And as we've seen in the last few years, that's essentially happened. So uh, it's more and more important for retailers to be more dynamic in their approach. Even getting past this, like you know test and learn mentality, there's no time anymore to test and learn and wait six months for results and make a decision on that. It's constantly iterative, but it's a it's it's a slow roll with many retailers. As I said. Uh, many are very uh, adaptable and, and, and diving headfirst into the, the digital, digital experience, whether it be audio, video, or, or otherwise. Uh, but there are many who still rely on mass media and, and television and uh, for a large majority of their spend, which is, again, a very important part of the mix to have You know everything that, that fits into the puzzle for your strategy. But relying on one media channel because, well, that's what we've done in the past, and that what seems to work. There's still that mindset in the in the retail world but it's it's changing and it's been uh, a a dramatic change over the last two years because it's 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 uh, it's been necessary so it sounds very much like agility is built into your hardwired
0: business model how do you encourage people who are perhaps a little bit more change resistant to you know embrace that the fact that you know retail is constantly changing and actually the speed
1: of change is just increasing more and more Well, it's a bit intimidating um if you're not involved in the technology and digital media every day we take for granted what we know and what we've learned and how we speak to the uh our audiences whether it be advertisers or otherwise but if you're on the business side a client that's not your top you know priority to understand everything that's going on in the world of technology so we have to remember that and in our conversations with clients and agency partners, we have to make sure they understand where we're headed, what we're all about, but in ways that make it uh, less intimidating. I mean, the the last thing I would ever call myself, and I hate when people say, oh, John Gregory, the retail expert. It's like, that's baloney. There's no such thing as an expert anymore. There's there's no time for everyone to be able to consume all the content out there that's relevant to their uh, area of expertise. Uh, to know everything. So at best, I call myself a retail specialist because I only know what I know today and what I learned in the last week. But to say I know what's going to happen, you know, as an expert in the industry next month, forget it. (laughs) One of the things you mentioned just there is there's just no time
0: to do the whole test and learn model, um, which many businesses used before. What's your view though, I suppose, on the fact that maybe, you know, you might only be 70% sure, let's say, at best, that something you want to do is going to make an effect and a positive benefit. You know, do you decide to press the button or hold back? How do you, how do you decide?
1: Well, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds risky, but it's a bit of its gut. You know, if you have your pulse on the marketplace, and especially for retail, because the merchants are out there, they see what people are buying, what they're wearing, uh, what they're eating. You know how they're shopping, so there's a much different sense and a a real perspective of of how people are behaving. The marketplace to wait six months or a year to report on what you're seeing is—it's if there's a danger in that. I mean, you have to have enough intel and uh, information to back up the decisions you're making, but you can never be 100% sure. And actually, this goes back to my my origins of, of retail. I talk about this all the time: how the the experience of shopping has changed dramatically. There's uh, the the, the sense of adventure uh, has been waning in the retail industry for some time. When I was growing up in the department store industry, buyers had a certain part of their budget that was saved for taking risks. That you bought, you know, seventy-five percent of what you were pretty sure about, but there was always something left behind to like take a risk Mm. and bring something new into the store. But those happy accidents sometimes were your next biggest winner. Exactly, it could be your next biggest winner or it could be a big loser. But the buyers or the the, the mindset with there at that point in time was having the um, the sensibility to try new things and and knowing in advance not everything's going to work but we have to take the risk to keep things fresh and new. I and suppose this-, this is also about people
0: not uh, being replaced too much by the, the the machines and allowing some experience and intuition and maybe a degree of you know risk
1: taking on behalf of the buyers to actually try out, right? In a sense of adventure from yeah. a, a ta- even a targeting perspective, the, the retailers hold so much data and, uh, on their customers that it would be easy to rely on past behavior to target what people have done, what they have purchased. But that leaves out the whole uh, serendipity of shopping of trying to present new things that, uh, that they may have never thought about before. So, I think it's the same, it's the same mentality from a digital uh, marketing perspective that because of the speed of digital media and the ability to train, change creative and, and uh, uh, change the mix very, much more quickly than, than traditional media, you have the ability to change things up and even personalize using dynamic uh, delivery. So let's talk about that
0: reactiveness, because I guess with the platform that you have, you should be able to get you know, pretty much real-time visibility around behaviors and what people are downloading or listening to or watching, and how influenced are they by what's happening in the outside world? I imagine it's, it's,
1: it's, it's super immediate. Well, a- absolutely, and that's one thing that we uh, actually saw firsthand during uh, the, the onset of COVID, that the listening behaviors changed dramatically in a short period of time from in-car listening our mobile device listening, a mobile device was still very important, but there was a huge uplift in desktop listening. Why? Because people were at home. They were in a stationary position. They were with their friends and family. It was uh, it was a, a change in behavior that happened almost immediately. So, you know. Car listening took a nosedive for probably the you know first eight, 10 months of the COVID uh, catastrophe because everyone was homebound, more or less. But knowing that allowed us to react with our clients in a way that other media channels couldn't. And know? what about the practical stuff? So people are watching the TV news, maybe they're seeing
0: some stuff unfold around the world, stuff which might not be pleasant or unsettling. Do you, can you see pretty quickly how that's changing the downloads that they're listening to or what their what
1: their interest is focused on well that's actually another good point that it relates to COVID. that there was uh, so much un- unhappy news happening in in the mass media whether it be political or you know these you know, warfare happening around the world social unrest uh that many people in that that secluded kind of environment turned away from mass media and started their own personalized uh, media consumption, whether it be streaming video, uh, our growth in uh, streaming audio was, grew dramatically during that, during that time period because people were looking for an escape, something that was like of their own interest, that made them happier or more interested in watching than the constant churn of like horrible news on, on, on television. I, it, it was maddening for a while there, especially in the United States when there was an election period happening about the same time that... All this hit—it was like enough already. I,
0: so I've got to ask you this question. I've got—I I have a—I'm going to declare a, an interest here. There has been an explosion in podcasts. What do you think has been driving that? I mean, is—is is it linked to your last comment, really? In as much that people are, you know, just a little bit over the main news providers giving them this diet of stuff, and they're actually seeking a different kind
1: of truth or fresh authenticity. It's fresh. It's—it's a—a uh, new. I would say it's a new format. Uh, but people can choose what they're listening to. I mean, there's as much news and information and storytelling on podcasts that you might see in mass media, except you can choose when you want to listen to it and what you want to listen to. So that is the beauty of uh, podcasts in the, the modern environment. But but the idea isn't necessarily new. I mean, like look back to the like 1920s and 1930s when people sat around the radio listening to radio serials. I mean, it's the same idea. It's just that in the, the modern world, there is the capability of personalizing it, mm. selecting what but I party guess it's also it's tied into the kind of the fragmentation of the media
0: generally, isn't it? Absolutely. As much that, you know, we no longer think of the consumer as one
1: demographic. Oh. You know, the consumer is now an individual. Everyone wants to be treated as an individual, and uh, and for that reason, I mean, Spotify has, plays a very important part of the media mix because we know a lot about our listeners, the moods they're in, based on what they listen to, the time of days they listen. Uh, uh, the, even the content they listen to, we can determine whether they're, you know, uh, a, a more of a, a family-related uh, audience or a young individual, uh, based on when they listen and what they listen to. So, because of all that information we collect, you can cross-reference that with all the huge amounts of uh, data that the retailers hold, and you can create some really great targeting to reach different customers with different messages. And adding to that mix, the different environment that's that's a possible in this the. Uh, the Spotify streaming environment, you can have a different conversation. You don't have to be screaming at listeners. You don't have to be, you know, in their face trying to get their attention. You already have their attention. So it provides an interesting opportunity not only to target special audiences, but deliver a creative message that's relevant to that audience itself in the moment.
0: My conversation with our guest on this episode of The Retail Exchange is brought to you by Attentive. You can't have a conversation with this ad, but with text message marketing, you can. Attentive lets you launch and optimize a new mobile marketing channel. Interact with your customers where they are through personalized and real-time conversations with powerful results. Attentive drives billions in e-commerce revenue for over 5,000 brands globally. See what Attentive can do for you at attentive.co.uk slash exchange. Attentive drive retail sales with text message marketing. So I'm going to ask you to reveal some secrets here. What can we look forward to in the future for Spotify's customer experience as you continue to innovate?
1: Um, Well, I think you'll continue to see additional podcast content and and acquisitions in that area. I mean, there's nothing I know of firsthand, but I know that podcasts are... Just an incredible growth engine for the company, and there's incredible interest from our listeners. So, with that in mind, I am sure you can just be ad- additional content, uh, new things coming on the, the platform from that perspective. We're also diving deep into uh, live uh, audio in a streaming environment. So. You could, we could have. And of course, uh, this has been one of the big things that's been helping to drive
0: retail growth and retail sales um, growth over, over in the Far East and China specifically. Uh, so, sure. live streaming combined with uh, great e commerce with a, a real store experience. You know, live streaming on platforms such as TikTok has been phenomenal.
1: The, the difficulty for audio in many cases is the, uh, the visual nature of retail. Um, it, it's much easier to have uh, to, to show a product and, and its application in a video, or in the audio space. You have to be a little more creative in how you represent that that product or that service that you're you're talking about. So. I think that's an interesting opportunity. I don't look at that as a roadblock. I think it's a, a great challenge to creative teams. So, certain words, a, a hook within the music. Background music, music or yeah. the music
0: beds. So, I was having this same conversation with a beauty retailer that was, we were talking about how their customer experience could evolve and, and uh, trying to pull on more of a sensory, full sensory experience. And of course, online yeah, one of the biggest things you can't do is is you know you can't smell the perfume <laughs> yeah but i guess it's a similar challenge for you guys Is you can't necessarily
1: visualize the place but you can create environments that allow you through your own memory of senses to create it for yourself we just uh, did something recently with uh, maybe it was last year with bbc for their series about africa and we created an environment that was all about the sounds and the the the, the crackling of, of branches and all the environment you would you would see. So the soundscape the, and the, the identity. It, it creates that experience yeah. for you. And in fact, I was talking to a luxury retailer recently and about creative uh, brainstorming. It's like even uh, the simple clasp of a purse done in the right way could can really elevate the. The brand registration in a way that you might not typically well, it's, recognize. It's the Classic sound of a BMW car. Exactly. Door closing, there you go. Isn't Or it? That, that that Porsche, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the growl of the <laughs> exhaust. You got it. I have to say that was a particularly good uh, <laughs> a demonstration. Someday I'll there. have one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, if you think about how um, retailers can use Spotify, you know, as a channel to increase their own customer engagement. Are there any examples that you would call out here where there's some real
1: partnership success? In one of the, the breaks of the COVID epidemic, uh, the Oxford Street Organization wanted to bring people back out to the streets, literally, and we created an experience that allowed our listeners to go from touch point to touch point with visual QR codes that allowed them to download different types of music that related to shopping in the environment that surrounded them. So again, it's a more physical kind of connection to the audio, but done in a way that's solely relevant to to retail because of the in-store environments and the the visual nature. So there's so many ways you can connect the dots. So through the the creation of those cues, you're almost taking me to places. Exactly. Exactly. And then you can add, you know, add that to your playlist and you have it forever. So it's that it's that longevity of the content that we provide our clients as well that very important.
0: One of the areas we talked about was how podcasts have, have grown, but you know, so too is user-generated content in, in many other areas, be that music, be that personal bios, etc., etc. How is Spotify looking
1: at these opportunities? Well, actually, it's a very important part of our our mission to create as many opportunities for creators to monetize their own content. And we have uh, parts of our platform in place that allows anyone. You could start your own band tomorrow if you wanted and put your music out there for distribution through Spotify. It's up to you to build the audience for that and to build your audience and in and, and, and mo- and building the audience, you begin to monetize it because then it becomes more interesting for promotions and even from an advertising standpoint. If your band goes from one to a million listeners tomorrow or the next year, that's going to be a great place to target. That would a be pretty, a good growth That, that would be it? a great, yeah, it's a unheard of, but, it, but, but not uh, impossible, right? But that's the idea that everyone on this planet has the opportunity to create their own podcast series, podcast content the music content, and place it on Spotify. But again, it's the quality of that, that content that's gonna make, make the difference. And if people are interested in, in what you have, if our listeners love it, then everything else follows. New platforms like We Are 8 come along. Is this a game changer? Well, possibly. I mean, I, I, people said the same thing about Twitter. They said the same thing about TikTok now. They say the same thing about the metaverse changing. It's like, yeah, of course. That there, there are going to be innovations that happen in the marketplace that are going to get attention. But longevity, surely, is the, the key. That's the key. It's like, well, what's the, the what's the lifespan of this this innovation? Is it a more of a gimmick, or is it really type of a technology innovation that's going to create? different experiences around or different iterations of that technology that will expand its use. I guess this is where you can be inspired at Spotify by retailers like Selfridges, a oh, business a with a store. You know, massive history, but continues to innovate. And that's the key to success. And when you think of where that company was maybe 20 years ago and where they are today, it's like, it's night and day. But they and they had the brand name. That's the interesting thing. You can't just rely on and the history and the history. But you have to make you have to be able to bring that into the modern world without without making it stodgy and you know full of cobwebs. You have to take the brand and and its uh, its, its personality and bring it into the new world. And Selfridges has done a. I was just there last weekend it's a just a beautiful store constantly changing they have events happening in the store that the the sales and service is just incredible which again goes back to the the heritage of the brand Um, so they've been they've held true to the things that made them famous but they're being innovative from a merchandising and a store experience standpoint to keep it fresh and new and keep bringing in new customers so uh, I think that's the key to success, just to keep things moving, keeping it fresh, but being true to yourself. A lot of brands over the, re- the, the last 20 years, retail especially, have lost their way because they tried to be everything to everybody. It's mm. like, And y- perhaps along the way, they've also lost that sense of purpose. Exactly. And, and, and doing that, you, you, you can't be everything to everyone and still remain true to your brand identity unless you are like a massive retailer who that's, that is their mission to be everything to everybody. That's a whole different story. But if you're like a very, uh, you know, very special fashion brand and you suddenly decide that you have to become highly promotional and you have to dress everyone from 18 to 80 in your store, it's like, well, first of all, you'd have to be totally brilliant to be able to do that. And some companies do. I mean, I I think the first thing that came to mind was uh, Uniqlo, I mean, but that's, there's nothing in that store that an 80 80 year old couldn't wear but it's very commoditized in a way that makes it attractive from a brand re- uh, registration standpoint to everyone but it's not typically tailored to any particular audience. So there are you know, there's exceptions a democracy to that rule. In there exactly that. but uh, for a, a, a very spe- uh, specialty a specific specialty retailer that has uh, a, a legacy or history, you can't turn that on a dime and suddenly decide you want to be something else. And of course, this is one of the challenges,
0: really, for all retailers who maybe sometimes start really small, very focused, often niche, and as they want to expand and grow, more and more of an audience, they get, they expand their sewer estate, they expand their inventory. Before you know it, you've overextended and you've lost the heart and the core of what you were all about. How does Spotify almost doesn't fall into that
1: same trap? Well, I think it goes back to what we're... Providing to our listeners, and in the same sense as retailers, it's, it's, it's our merchandise is our audio content, and as long as we keep that fresh and new, and keep bringing in uh, additional listeners because of something new we're bringing in, at the same time holding on to our existing audience by, you know, constantly providing what they have been listening to, the type of content they've been listening to, you can hold on to your brand, uh, and your, your your audience, but it. Uh, I, There is careful consideration made internally with the types of uh, you know exclusive podcast content we bring online. It's uh, it's not just a flyby at night. Oh, well, I easy have to say to and I'm going to
0: cut in with a blatant plug here, but we are very proud to be on your platform, and yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and we record <laughs> amazing
0: figures from the downloads that we receive. So we thank That's you great. very formally. So John, I can tell that retail is absolutely in your blood. You can see how energized you are <laughs> by the topic. Just tell me a little bit about your backstory. Where where have you been a retailer before?
1: Oh man, oh man, it's a Long, long history. No, I, uh, I actually started my career uh, working uh, for a defense company, McDonnell Douglas. But, and I was uh, account administrator on the F-15 fighter program. Goodness me, that's quite a well, journey. Did, yeah, quite, definitely. Um, and, and it was uh, a bit dry uh, for me. And I, I stuck it out for two years because that's what you did back then. And I moved from there to Anheuser-Busch where I spent two years in, in uh, distribution and in marketing. Which was interesting. I'm mean, from bombs to beer. That makes sense of that. Uh, but I was a bit unhappy there too because it just—it was too uh, too singular in a way. It's like that's all about beer. I was like, <laughs> but I had the opportunity to move into the department store industry, and I stayed in retail ever since because I found it new and interesting. Every day was a new day. Uh, the constant, you know, theme, the question you would receive in the morning is, like, or at the end of the day, is like, "What did you do for me today?" Forget about what yesterday happened because that doesn't matter anymore. It's like, "What happened today that helped move the business forward?" So it's that that sense of urgency and uh, priority that has always stuck with me, and it makes every day exciting. It can make many days pretty ugly as well, but it's it's that idea of having uh, no two days alike, and. And in a real retailer, you get exposure to every part of the organization. It's like owning your own business to a certain extent. You see the buying, you see the in-store selling, you see the operations, all that goes on behind the scenes that people have no idea about. I mean, which is the, the, the heavy lifting in retail is done by the sales associates in the store and the back office, people who keep the trains running everyone else has an easy job in my mind and i think you've worked in some some seriously oh, big retail brands let's do, let's just do a kind of a call out to yeah you. I, well i worked for uh, the bay department stores company in the united states which at that time was the largest uh, holding company owned many regional department store brands and from there i went to bloomingdale's where i spent uh, 10 years that's what moved me to new york i left there as a vp of marketing which was uh, Quite an achievement. It was a great company, uh, a lot of fun, but highly, you know, fashion and more upscale than other retailers. And then I spent some time at Ann Taylor, which is a specialty fashion brand, and again, much different than what I'd experienced in the past because it is so different in, in a specialty retailer like that you own your successes and your mistakes because you own it from the, the design to manufacture to distribution and to the marketing. If something goes wrong, you can only have yourself to blame. It's like, you can't send it back to the vendor like you would with a department store. You're stuck with it. So it's, it's a much different consideration about what you create and a much different ownership of the brand itself because of that. So that was a, a great learning for me. Um, and from there, I went back to, uh, I went to Macy's department stores when they were, uh, changing to a national footprint for the brand, which was uh, very exciting. Um, And uh, in the middle middle of all this, I spent three years at a media agency uh, leading the Walmart account, which was another learning experience from a media uh, agency side uh, of the fence. So I have had the luck of of seeing pretty much all the perspectives of retail, whether it be client side, um, specialty, big box, uh, department store, having worked on an agency side, having worked uh, now at, uh, at AOL, then Pandora, which is a streaming uh, uh, platform in the U.S., and now Spotify, which is a global streaming platform. So I've seen, I, I've been, I've been very lucky. I, I I count my blessings every day. That uh, not everyone has in the industry has been as lucky as I have. So this is a, this is a question which
0: you know kind of um, I'm I'm going to absolutely you know give this to you, uh, from everything you've learned in all of those great retailers, and they are great retailers. What do you think are the secrets of success, which in a sense almost unify all of them, you know, that keep each of those you know, at the top of their game? And, and in a sense, what advice could you offer to retail marketers now who are on a similar journey in terms of trying to promote their brands, engage with customers, make their store experiences more revitalized and relevant? What, what would be the kind of almost that piece of sage advice you'd give to them? Um, <laughs>
1: never be afraid to throw a brick through a glass window kind of mindset. I mean, as like I said, retailer can be very conservative, not only retail, many industries can be very conservative in how they approach the marketplace because there's such a risk these days. I mean, if, if you make a false move and, and have bad earnings for a quarter, as we've just seen for, for some retailers in the US, your, your stock price, you
0: know, and what's really clients. interesting here is, for the last two years, everybody has been, say I'm talking from a Target perspective, has been celebrating Target in terms of its rebirth and its renewal and how they've just you know, ticked every box in terms of getting it right. Overnight, come yeah. new
1: figures, people have turned on Target. But a lot of that's, I mean, that's Wall Street doing their thing. A lot of what's happened is beyond retailers' control. I mean, uh, we, we can't control inflation. Well, there's an influence in, in how inflation is handled with large retailers. But their only alternative to deal with higher prices from a resource standpoint is to raise prices for their, their their customers, which is the last thing they want to do. So, and and the, while people are still spending money, or consumers are spending money, um, the bottom line is being hit because that cost of those goods is so much higher. The retailers, so and the supply chain problems. Which oh we've my God, this has been a perfect storm of yeah. a su- supply chain and. Um, you know, if your cost to shipping is c- coming in at double what you were expecting before, no wonder there's a hit to profitability. Yeah, the, the good thing in all this is that it's really forced retailers to pay attention to inventory control, which, as uh, like you, you mentioned in the past, that the, the, the growth uh, in the industry was all based on how many more stores you could open and how much, you know, uh, g- greater distribution distribution. Do more and it'll bring more. Right. Where this has taught retailers, like, we, we, you have to be smarter about the, the holding cost of inventory and that brings your expenses down. And because the inventory was so restricted to begin with, that led to prices being stabilized because there was less of a need to promote. So there was a, you know, an interesting you know, uh, situation for retailers that I hadn't seen in my, my career, actually, where they were able to hold the line on promotion or become less promotional because there was less product to sell. John, we could talk
0: for hours, I'm sure. Um, It's it's amazing to see someone who is so motivated and so engaged by what they do. Fantastic. It's been a wonderful conversation together. I've been talking to John
1: Gregory. Global, retail. (laughs) No! (laughs) Global Head of Industry for the Retail vertical.
0: That's it. This man has an enormously long and interesting job, Todd. John, (laughs) thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This episode of The Retail Exchange was brought to you in association with Attentive drive sales with text message marketing. Visit attentive.co.uk slash exchange to see what Attentive can do for you. That's all we have time for on this episode of the Retail Exchange podcast. From me, Carl McKeever, goodbye and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at the retail and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag retail exchange.
1: Thanks for listening. Thank you.